Welcome to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. First Merchants Bank, helping you prosper. Put it in the upper right-hand corner, just like a postage stamp. That's a good bingo! Get ready to learn more about the Columbus Blue Jackets players and coaches, as well as find out what's going on this week in the NHL. Now let's join Bob McGilligan and Jody Shelley for the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. Welcome to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets in Calgary and stop number two on their five-game road trip. The trip got underway last night in Edmonton. The Blue Jackets lost to the Oilers by the score of 4-1. to Coming up on tonight's show, we'll be joined by Blue Jackets defenseman Eric Branson to talk about not just last night, but about where this team is right now and what the outlook is for the rest of the season. I'm Bob McElligot sitting alongside of Jody Shelley. And, Jody, it was disappointing last night because for 40 minutes – the Blue Jackets, I think, without question, were the better team in that game. They outskated. They outplayed the Edmonton Oilers. The unfortunate thing is it is a 60-minute game, and Edmonton came out and took over in the third period, scored a, a couple of quick goals, made it a 3-1 to game instead of a 1-1 game, and it was all over from there. Yeah, every loss is, is disappointing. You know, you had to expect the Edmonton Oilers, who were on a 13-game winning streak, to find their game at some point. I mean, you remember when the Blue Jackets won 16 in a row. And the results, you felt the same. But if you went back and looked at the games, there were some of them where you got the bounce, you played good for 10 minutes, the goalie played well. And last night, if you wanted to beat the Edmonton Oilers, and in this case it was the Columbus Blue Jackets rolling into the Rogers Center, it, you had to take advantage of those opportunities early. Those ones had to go in the net. And Stuart Skinner, who now has rejuvenated his career and is the goalie right now in the National Hockey League with 11 wins in a row, uh, he shut the door. And, you know, we heard about it from afar, but we saw it up close, and so did the Blue Jackets. So I was really impressed with how the Oilers got the lead and then locked it down last night. And, you know, you can read articles and, and talk to people about it, but it's it's real. They're, they're a real team. And listen, there's been moments in a lot of these losses this season where it's either the third period they've had the lead and lost it. We've talked about that a lot. Or there's moments in games where, yeah, if the game was 56 minutes long, you would have won. But this is something with a young group that they have to learn that, you know, there's there's going to be games like that. And those opportunities have got – there's got to be a, a way to get those in the net. And these are all experiences and the process that you hear Pascal Vincent talking about, we are living it day to day and we are watching it grow. We are actually watching it grow because there was comments on the way to the building last night by some of the traveling party of the Edmonton Oilers who said that exact same thing, that you can see where they're at in their process. You can see that they have the pieces, they're growing together, but now they need to go through these situations. And it's a, it's a terrible thing to hear if you're a fan, but it's a real thing because this isn't the only organization that's gone through it. I mean, the Edmonton Oilers have gone through it. They've had the first pick, like, what is it? Five of the last 12 years or 15 years, they've had a number one overall pick. And they haven't won a Stanley Cup uh, since the 80s or 90s. And now they're, they got the best player in the world, and they still can't figure out la it last year in the playoffs, they exit in the first round. So what Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle have had to go through to get to this point and have a coach come in and, and demand them to play the defensive hockey and them doing it and, and getting to a point in the career where they're like, okay, if we want to win a championship, I have to play differently. And they're starting to do that. Ovechkin did it with uh, Barry Trotz in Washington. And this is a league with 32 teams that all start the season with the same goal. And right now with the Blue Jackets, yeah, I, you said disappointing. 
But, you know, I think you credit the Blue Jackets for the first two periods. If you're an Oilers fan, you probably would have said, oh, the Oilers aren't playing well. But I think you also say, wow, the Blue Jackets are fast and on top of them. They're, they have no room. They made some adjustments last night. They waited and played a patient game. And at the end, they ended up winning out of the game. So there's uh, there's lessons in there. There's also a little bit of being outmatched at times last night. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that the, the first two periods last night, I think a lot of teams are going to look at those two periods. A lot of teams that are playing against the Oilers for the rest of the regular season, and once you get into the playoffs, they're going to look at that and say, what did they do to make it so tough on Edmonton? Because the, the blueprint is there. When they were doing what they were doing, it was working. It changed in the third period, and again, it's twofold. It wasn't that the Blue Jackets just quit doing it all together. The Oilers, again, they won all those games in a row. They knew they had to take it to another level, and they came out in the third period. They had Dreisaitl and McDavid on the same line at the start of that third period. So, you know, the message was, okay, we're loading it up here, and we're looking for offense, and, and we're going to get it going. But I, I really do think that when it comes to scouting the Edmonton Oilers, those two periods Blue Jackets played early last night will be uh, something for them, for other teams to look at and learn from. Yeah, I agree. And and when you look at even the goaltending, Elvis Merzlikens, he had a night, but you know, in that third period, it was those were scrambly goals in front of him. There was a lot going on. And I agree that that, that is a blueprint to on how to play against a top team like that. And the the thing is, they proved it to themselves against the Vancouver Canucks as well. And these are all good lessons. Like, you know, you don't feel good about losses, but you feel good about individually sitting down or showing team clips that are positive. And that's where they're at now at 46 games in, into the season is this is what we did well. This is why we were feeling good about ourselves. This is why we were on top of the game. And, you know, you can talk about it in camp. You can expect it the first 25 games and, and show and show little glimpses. But now you've got a library of positives for this team. And, you know, there, there's still a lot to work on. The penalty kill of, of the Edmonton Oilers was very good. And, you know, they'll look at tape today, or they probably did earlier, where – you know, make the adjustments on the way and when teams do defend like this on the penalty kill and are this type of, of team. And those are things where you have a Fantilli and a Johnson and a Sillinger on that power play where some maturity and some experience, even through even playing last night against Connor McDavid, I thought Sillinger, that experience, he did a phenomenal job. And those are growth, moments of growth. So disappointing loss, great things to take from what they did last night. In parts of that game. I'm talking about other teams finding something to use against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, but I'll tell you something else. I think Ken Holland, who was sitting right next to us in the press box, he's got to be watching that with a trade deadline looming here in a couple of weeks. And as a general manager, you also see the holes, too. You, right. you, see, you see where there is a need for improvement in certain areas. And I'll bet you that uh, they will break it down from that standpoint as they're evaluating what they're looking for at the trade deadline. I think there was uh, a lot of clarity. I think there's more clarity for them coming out of that game last night. Yeah, there should be. I mean, it is a find a way to win league. Find a way to win is what I'm trying to say, Bob. <laughs> and, you know, when you can, when you have a team that's rolling with that kind of confidence, and I go back to that 2016-17 season when the Blue Jackets had that segment, you didn't know what was going on really around the team. It wasn't like there was a magic button that they pushed they just every night someone or some situation stepped up and got got the moment much like the Edmonton Oilers and they have the same 
sound bites coming out of their locker room. We're not focused on the we're not focused on the record. You know, we're just going out there and working. But you knew it was going to happen. The players knew it was going to happen yeah. at that point. It was like there was no panic because you get to the third period like Edmonton was last night. It's a one-one game. You've been outplayed for forty minutes. But when you're on that kind of streak, as a group, you have that thought that. Well, somebody's going to do it. We well, just got to yeah. wait for it to happen. I mean, I've been in locker rooms before. I remember clearly in San Jose where we would be playing poorly for two periods and Nabokov would be standing on his head and Joe Thornton would stand up and roll his sleeves up and look at everyone and say, all right, boys, let's go tuck this one away. <laughs> you know, whether we were down by two or three or whatever it was, it was like, we can win this game. You know, and when you have that in the locker room, that feeling of ultra confidence – um, you understand that the game is 60 minutes long and you know that there's better there. And you know that, hey, let's go put the work in the next 20 minutes as, as a group and then we'll come to practice tomorrow and feel good about ourselves. And, and that's where they're at. They just know they want to keep that feeling in the room and they understand that, hey, there's a way to get this done and it's going to take any one of us and all of us to do it. Yep, so that's the way it started for the Blue Jackets last night, uh, this five-game road trip that continues tomorrow in Calgary and then advances on to Vancouver, Seattle, and St. Louis. That's the old one of these things is not like the other. But you know what? It's uh, The U.S. figure skating championships are going on in Nationwide Arena. Right. So you know, even last year when that was announced, uh, and my wife loves figure skating stuff, and I said, I'd love to take you, but I will guarantee you <laughs> we're going to Western <laughs> <Yeah>. Canada <laughs> at that time in February. So, um, but again, disappointing last night, but you mentioned Cole Sillinger again. He's been the best player on this team for the last three weeks. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, he and Johnny Gaudreau look like they're they're starting to form something on a line together. You know, in the first period, I thought, uh, and it wasn't just the goal that they got. Kent Johnson, Dmitry Voronkov, and Kirill Marchenko were good. That kind of went away as the game yeah. went along, unfortunately. But there was, uh, I don't want to say a glimmer of hope, but there, you know, you you saw it. You you can see potential with a lot of these, um, a lot of these combinations. Yeah, I thought the Roslovic, Fantilli, and um, Jenneline was yeah. good too. I mean, they were on the forecheck. You know, everyone had their moments last night, and and that's what you have to have. The Cole Sillinger, Johnny Goodrow line, I think in a line you have to have a centerman driving it. And I think Cole Sillinger is driving that line. I really do. I think that the way he's attacking his shifts, the way he's stepping up on the faceoff dot, the way he's being that presence, I think that's what Johnny Goodrow lead like follows. That's what he feeds off of because you need to have you need to have that shooting star, if you will, break through the break through the play to cause that distraction to open up those areas for Johnny or someone that is, you know, working to get open while he has the puck or fighting for that, that uh, second and third effort on puck so that Johnny can get in there and help. So I think my opinion, Cole Sillinger is driving what's happening with that line. What, what has changed with him? I mean, you know him very well. His dad was just in to uh, be a part of your fantasy camp yeah. last week. I mean, last year, Cole had that great rookie season at 16 goals. Last year, he wound up in the American Hockey League at the at the end of the year. Again, the numbers aren't eye-popping for him, but his play is eye-popping. What changed? Well, it's a perfect example of a young guy learning how to play in the National Hockey League. You know, he goes down uh, at the end of the year. He, he comes to camp not sure where he fits in. And then he's on the fourth line, and then he's got to earn every piece of ice time he's got. And he, he really has a small focus. And I say that, you know, when you get to higher levels, you have to have you have to define your game. Uh, 
and we'll talk to Eric Branson uh, later in the show about defining the game because he was a high draft pick who, you know, now he's understands his role in the team and it's very effective. But for Cole, win the face off, make players better, keep keep the game simple, and then you get you earn penalty kill, you earn power play because guys get injured, and then you have confidence. And that real confidence is something that we talk about a lot. It's easy to talk about, and when you don't have it, it's hard to find it. When you have it, it's hard to explain it. So I think with Cole, he's he's and he's stronger, you know, and and that helps him in a lot of situations. All right, you mentioned Eric Branson. He's just made his way in, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we will talk with the Blue Jackets defenseman. But first, I want to tell you, I want to remind you, actually, that the Fifth Line 5K presented by Ohio Health is coming up. You can register right now and take advantage of discounted pricing until February 10th. You get two game tickets, a Blue Jackets-branded race shirt, and a shiny new medal. Register by going to bluejackets.com slash 5K. The Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank continues after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. Bob McKelly and Jody Shelley with you. We're joined right now by Blue Jackets defenseman Eric Goodbranson. Eric, back in Calgary. You played here two years ago. Uh, one of what has been many stops for you in the National Hockey League. But uh, you get a chance to come back again as a Blue Jacket. Do you still have fond memories of the year that you spent here? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we had a really good year. And, uh, you know, one of those years where I was uh, – I. Uh, you know, kind of bounced around before that, never really had a home and, and got an opportunity here. And, and uh, it went really well, kind of uh, put myself back on the right track and, you know, use it as a reset year. And I, uh, I really enjoyed the city, really enjoyed the team, the fans and everything. And uh, it's nice to be back. Everybody says that this is like the Denver of Canada, right? You got the mountains that are not that far away. I mean, you can, you can get in the car within an hour. You can be nowhere, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's very very cool. Uh, I mean, the stuff you can do here. We, we used to drive up to to Banff with the little guy for, you know, after a game and have a day off the next day and just enjoy that drive back the following day. Come back to practice. It's uh, it's a pretty nice place to live. Do you ever do any dog sledding here? No, but my wife did. Yeah, yeah, and she absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. I hear great things about that. I've never had the opportunity to do that, but. Uh that's something I think would be really cool. I did it in Finland. It is unique. Yeah. And you get out to, like, these huts made with, like, caribou skin. Do they have that here? And you have a drink and a snack, and then you get back on the dog sled. and That's pretty about, cool. I don't know no, in caribou. Finland, you get a drink and a snack. You <laughs> jump in the sauna. Then you <laughs> – Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because they have the water. right? Yeah. yeah. Hey, I want to ask you, Eric, uh, you've been in a lot of uh, rivals, but what is the Battle of Alberta really like? Oh, it's, uh, it's really fun. It's uh, – Obviously, uh, you know, the year I was there was two very high-end teams. There was lots of skill on both sides, and, um, you know, it, it was it was personal. It was personal for everybody, you know, leading up to it. It's, it's you know, kind of this aura that's around you that, that, that uh, feeds into the game. So, um, you know, that's uh, definitely some of the most passionate hockey I've played in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it. I've watched it. And you can feel that. You can feel the fans. I mean, there is hatred. These two towns are two and a half hours apart driving. And we were in Edmonton last night. That Battle of Alberta just happened. Was it two days before that? Was it Saturday night? Have they had it yeah, set up? So, yeah. And, you know, you could still feel the buzz. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I mean, it's Canadian, Canadian cities. I mean, you yeah. see jerseys walking in the rink, you're driving to the rink, and you're seeing everybody outside. You're seeing all the, the restaurants and bars on your way in full with, uh, you know, both sides jerseys, and it's, uh, it's a loud building for sure. Everybody's in there for warm up. It's uh, it's a pretty cool experience. Isn't that it, crazy though? Everyone has yeah. a jersey. Yeah, I thought of that yeah. last night. I looked down in the stands, and it was all orange and blue. Yeah, like everywhere, and and I think even more so and you correct me because you played here but i think it's more so in in cities like edmonton and calgary because you don't have anything else i mean you get to toronto they they've got the raptors there they got the blue jays there there's there's other things that are going on maybe montreal is the same thing there's not outside of the right. canadian football league there's not much else but i mean you get out here i mean it is live and die by what these teams do right yeah 100% 100% um you know they're they're both cities are very very proud of their teams um and and each I, I would I would almost say that each each set of fans has you know a chip on their shoulder with the you know the history of each club and all that stuff and and uh, they take a lot of pride in it and it's uh, it was a pleasure to to be a part of. Can you tell us what it's like? I always wonder this because I lived in Edmonton for a short period of time to go to the grocery store in the in one in a Canadian market like Calgary like uh, or go to the gas station. Better question for Johnny than me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I could fly under the radar Can for you? sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I, I no did, problem. I no problem, though. Maybe like once every five grocery trips, somebody noticed. But like, it was a quick, "Hey, how are you?" Nice conversation, and then, "Hey, enjoy your night." Okay. Yeah, but Johnny, on the other hand, uh, he's probably having someone do his groceries for him. <laughs> yeah, smart move. All right, we were talking about Cole Sillinger, and I want to go back to early in your career. First round pick. What was it? Third overall. Yeah, and you know that's a big expectations. When you look back at that. And how you've evolved. And you see all these first-round picks in, in the locker room, first, second year, third year in the league. How do you think, or how do you, do you chuckle a little bit at how it was then and, and what you've evolved to? Uh, yeah, it's it's quite the process. There's no doubt about that. I mean, um, you know, player I am and just uh, the way I approach my day, my first 40 games versus, you know, how I am 13 years in, it's it's much different. And, and you know, experience is experience. So I, I, I've made so many mistakes. I, I, I could never count them all. Um, and I, at the end of the day, I've just tried to learn from them. Um, and then I've screwed that up too, and then had to learn again. And, and it's a process. So, um, yeah, Cole, Cole's doing a lot of really good things right now. I think, um, you know, he, he's, he's been, he's been put under the gun a little bit too, you know, and, and, and that's what, that's what lies in your mind, right? Is like, oh man, why, why isn't this, that easy you know what I mean because it can be easier before like in junior minor midget all that stuff it was you know you're one of the better players out there and and he's uh he's such a good kid he's a sponge he's been learning he's been working he's been doing it all to to get it right and now um you know he's he's starting to put those pieces together and you can tell he's playing with some confidence and it's been uh he's been very very reliable did you go through that oh yeah oh yeah and not and not just once a few times a few times for sure. Uh, I mean that that year in Calgary, the the year before where I was I split between Ottawa and Asheville, just didn't have a good year, couldn't find a home, never felt comfortable out on the ice and had to have a reset and and, and that's what Calgary ended up being for me. So, um, you know, it, it, the game evolves, the game changes and and um, you know, you have to evolve with it. You have to figure out, you have to constantly learn no matter what. I mean, I I, I pick up stuff nowadays that that I wish I knew 13 years ago, yeah. you know, 10 years ago. It's it's you have to be open-minded to, to absolutely everything that comes your way. 
I want to go back to last night. Zach Hyman, you push him, and he falls in the opposite, opposite direction that you push him. Yeah, I thought that was interesting myself. <laughs> Accidentally on purpose. Yeah, it was a smart play by him, though. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the law I could of, see you were so there's, hot. There's no, you were, no law <laughs> of physics in Edmonton. I mean, yeah, I, I don't he know. He fell sideways after he was falling forward, right? I don't know. That's that's still eating me alive. It kept me up last night. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was a tough one for me, and it was, you know, just brushed to the side very quickly, and oh, I, had from, the, from the from the ref side, and, and oh, yeah. I'm just shocked they didn't take a, a harder look at it. But even if they do. You know, what's, a great you know what's going to happen there. What what official even in Toronto is going to say, this guy fell the wrong way? They're just going to look and say, well, no, you have to have feel falls. for it. Like, I, no, think, I agree you know with you, I mean? but like, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that the chances of somebody actually getting that in depth instead of just looking at it and go, there's contact, he hit the goalie, yeah. no, that's Yeah, fine. but see, it's not back in the day when you first came in, the relationship with the refs, they knew everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's if true. that was Corey Perry, which Hyman is very similar, maybe a little, they think he's a little more polished. It's it's goaltender interference for Corey Perry. I think that's where Hyman got away with it last time. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, and, like, obviously, I'm constantly pushing guys in front of the net. Like, I didn't push oh, you him. do I, well. I didn't push him that hard. No. I really didn't. <laughs> he didn't. So, he didn't even realize no, that. No, and, and yeah. he's, a, he's a big, strong guy. Like, I, yeah. I, I know that he can handle what I gave him, too. You know what I mean? So, I, I that one... It's a big question mark for me right now. Well, that happens, right? I mean, those things happen. Yeah, it I mean, does. You play one way, and, and that, those things are going to happen from time to time. It does, for sure. And and I, I say this every time. Um, you know, I think the, the refs that we have in the National League, they're the best in the world for yep. a reason. They're they're with us for a reason, and, you know, they're human too. Yeah. So. I always tell people, try refing. But I go to my son's minor hockey games, or I used to, and, and he's in high school now. And, and you sit down, and some parents, it's like when they sit down and you do the baseball thing with the umps. It's like they, they have a job to stay on the refs the entire time. And oh, you want to yeah. say, here, here's some stripes, here's a whistle, go try it. So My brother went to the refing combine a few years ago to try it out, and, and he came back, he was blown away. Yeah. He's like, dude, spent the we whole have- game trying not to get hit with a puck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How do they do that? Yeah. It's like magic yeah. out there. At least when you're refing hockey, when it comes to fans, at least you got the glass there yeah. separated. You yeah, don't hear right. everything. Yeah, that's right. Other sports, when they're right there. Oh, the umpire, it. it's like. The umpire has no chance. No chance. Oh, basket, basketball, basketball referee has no chance. Yeah. No, none at all. Yeah. I mean, football and hockey have to be the two where at least you don't hear yeah. everything. I want to ask you, we're talking with Erica Branson, defenseman of the Columbus Blue Jackets. The first two periods last night, you guys were feeling something special. You had a game plan. It looked like you were on it. Yeah, we were. Um, you know, I, I think we came out with a very purposeful mentality. You know, we wanted to end that that nice streak that they're on. Um, and we came out hot. You know, sometimes when you're playing against a team that's that hot, you know, you, you step you step your game up because you know that you have to. Um, and um, we, we we did well. We forechecked very well. I thought I thought that was you know the best forechecking two periods that that we've had this year um we we created a lot of turnovers against a very good team mind you they cheat they cheat on offense but we were in the right positions we we reloaded over the puck in the ozone turned over many pucks and and um you know i think that that Stuart skinner gave them a very good chance in those first two periods to to end up where they did do you so the four check is one thing for a d i mean that's that helps your play but that reload you feel a difference in that this year 
what the guy, how the guys are reloading or back. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. And it helps you, right? Stand up, hundred percent. I, I mean, you don't want to sit back as a D man. You you want to you want to make that play miserable through the neutral zone. You want them to chip a puck in behind you, and, and, you know, before the red line. Protect the red line. We'll deal with the blue line later. Yeah, you know okay, I mean? you're up. There. See if you can get them nice it, get a free one in in zone. You know. That that's aggressive hockey. That's that's the stuff that I, I think really wears on on any team. You know, you play that three quarter ice, quick up the puck and whatnot. And, and when that when that reloads there, and when those guys are are, are trucking back, it it makes all the difference because that's all the confidence in the world to to stay up and make it difficult. You talk about aggressive hockey. One of the reasons that the Blue Jackets went out and got you last year was the physical aspect that you bring to the game as well. Um, it's not like it was when you first came into the league by any means. I mean, you're not asked to do it day after day after day. But when there is an opportunity, that's something you have to step up and do. And I, and I bring this up because last night, uh, John Morasti was in the building, and uh, Johnny was in, <laughs> in Syracuse uh, with me a long time ago, and he's got these great fights on uh, YouTube. And, and Eric was over there talking to some people, and then he was talking to Johnny. And, I, and you know, Morasti was saying to me, there's no fights anymore. Like, what? nobody wants to hit anybody. I said, well, welcome to uh, speed and skill hockey. Yeah. But for a guy like you – that might have been called upon to do that a lot earlier in your career. Is it nice just to play the game? And yeah, when it happens, you got to be there. But I mean, you're here to be a defenseman first and foremost. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I enjoy that part of the game too. You know, I, I love the physicality of it. I love that that one-on-one 50-50 battle mentality. You know, that's what I grew up with. So um I enjoy those. I really enjoy those heated games, those ones that are on the edge constantly. I think it's entertaining. I think it's great for the fans. I think it's great to to bring a group together. Um, and um, yeah, the, I, I think the hockey is just better when it's when it's very physical. Um, you know, I, my hand would would thank the change <laughs> for sure. Uh, but but I've never I've I've never. I don't think I've ever had more than eight or nine fights in a season you know what I mean like I, I I've done it but I've never been called upon such such as Jody has and you know some of those other guys those guys are different animals I think we talked about yeah. this last time <laughs> yeah those those guys those guys were a different breed and and man I keep in touch with a bunch of guys that that used to do that from from my past teams and and, and always the best salt of the earth <laughs> guys in the room well, one thing you said to me last night, we were walking to the bus uh, about a guy like John Morasti. You said that those guys are the most dangerous guys, right? And because you never know what they were going to do. You know they're strong, you know they're physical, and you know they're, no offense, they're a little bit nuts because they'll just do whatever they got. They know their role, right? You would take that I mean, as a compliment. Were you like that? Like nuts? Were you a little bit nuts when it came to that? I wasn't. I tried to. Let pe- like I used to take a one suspension every two years on purpose just to let pe- <laughs> let people think I was a little bit off the rails, you know. Yeah, I just thought that that was part of the. Well, the presence. thing the thing was it, back then too. You know, they would ask, and if you said no, be like okay, and then they'd go right after like a good player and grab <laughs> Johnny on your team. Yeah, <laughs> and then they'd stare at you and be like, "This is your fault, man." Yeah. Oh. And, yeah. What's that feeling like? Probably not great. Probably the worst. Yeah, not good. <laughs> not good. Hey, I want to ask you, you grew up in Ottawa, right? Yep. What was uh, what was your path to get here to the National Hockey League and be a first round pick? Um, well, I played uh I actually played double A growing up. We never had triple A in, in Ottawa and um until my minor midget year. And and there had been conversations around the the pair group of my my age group. We had a dozen teams in our league that uh ended up amalgamating down to uh five 
so that we could be more competitive and go down to Toronto and go, you know, go to Montreal and go to, you know, different cities, you know, Boston and, and, and really be competitive. And, and, uh, we ended up creating a pretty good, uh, minor midget team my, my, uh, last year. So I went from there to Kingston, played three years there and then, um, yeah, ended up getting drafted by Florida, went back for, went back for one year and ended up in Florida. Were you always a defenseman? I played, uh, I played center until minor Bantam, I think. Yeah. My dad asked me to switch back. He was your coach? Uh, he wasn't. No, he asked me to switch back. I was okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Did your dad play or you have a brother too, right? You have brother. Yeah. I have, I have two brothers and a sister, all of which played, all of which played. Yeah. That's a great area, that Ottawa area. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. I grew up on the east end of it, so uh, it's, it's Orleans, Blackburn, Hamlet. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, it's a, an amazing place to grow up. It really was. Do you used to go back there in the summer? Um, no, I don't go back there now. I live north of Toronto, um, you know, married kids and that stuff, so it kind of switches it around. But And I don't make it back to Ottawa as much as I should. I really don't, but um, I, I, I love going back there. It's, it's, you know, that's just home. So four kids, where did you fit in? I'm the oldest. Are you the oldest of four? Oldest. So am I. Yeah. So that's a uh, it's it's uh, interesting, right? Being the oldest of four. For sure. You got to lead the way. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely do. <laughs> that's awesome. And are they all still living in Ottawa? Or are they? Uh, no. No. My brother lives in Kingston. He's uh, he joined the military. He was the one who played in the American League and uh, Ref, the East yeah. Coast Hockey League. Uh, my brother Dennis is a financial advisor in Toronto, and my sister is a uh, marine biologist out in Vancouver. Or actually, sorry, Victoria now. Oh, really? You're yeah. going to get this year? Uh, hopefully. So you played in a couple Canadian markets, and that's got to be, uh, I mean, to me, that's, there's something about that, isn't there? Yeah, there definitely is. I mean, I mean, just being, we talked about it earlier, being in Calgary and Edmonton is one thing, but all these markets in Canada. Did you play in Montreal? No. That would be a place to play. Or Toronto, right? No, no Toronto, no, uh, no Montreal. Did you ever have a chance? No, I uh, I went uh, I got traded from Florida to Vancouver. I was there for like two and a half years. Well, two two years plus. Went to the deadline. Got traded to Pittsburgh. Then where did I go? Oh man, <laughs> all <planted> together. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then and you did the Anaheim Ottawa. Yep, Anaheim Ottawa. Ottawa was a strange one though because it was you know that was the COVID year where there yeah. was you know and you were home during that. Yeah, it was home, but it, but it was that was at the height of it. So Weird. like it was like I, you know we made a deal. You weren't supposed to, but like my mom could come over. You know what I mean? My wife was really pregnant with our firstborn son, and and like how am I going to keep my mom out of the house? You know what I mean? Like she wants to come, so um, you know really didn't see anybody, and nobody got to see me play for my hometown team. So that that was like an interesting, a really interesting one. And then Calgary was, you know, full go Canadian city. It was lots of fun. Uh, besides Pascal Vincent, we're going to take him out of the conversation, but who was your best coach you've had? Um, I, I really, really, I really enjoyed Gerard Gallant. I, uh, he was, he was one of the guys that kind of grabbed me and was like, Hey, this is how this is going to work for you. And I, and I think you should listen to me and, and really guided my game into, uh, it really just set me at ease and gave me a role. And, you know, I, I, I took it on you know, head on and, and, and really enjoyed, you know, what I'd become. Um, later on, I, I, 
I really enjoyed Daryl. I really did. It was, it was certainly interesting. Yeah. <laughs> was, I've heard great stories. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of them, and I only had one year with him. So, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed him. And and then there's and then there's you know there's numerous assistant coaches who are the guys you really spend time with that, um, that that really help you out. I mean, I, in, believe it or not, one of my favorite ones was John Madden. They they were panicking for assistant coaches when they brought in uh, Gerard Gallant and they put him on the back end. So and he was kind of learning with us. So it, yeah, because he's a centerman his whole career and and he was learning with us. But he he was you know we had a great you know decor that that was had an open forum of discussion at you know every single day and we worked together very very well. That was that was a really cool process. And then um, you know Ryan Huska here was was really helpful to me. I, Sergey Gonchar for a short amount of time yeah. in, in Pittsburgh. He's a pretty good player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you listen to him. Yeah. So, yeah, and then and then Mac here. I mean, Mac's been Mac's been phenomenal with us. I, I, you know, every day he's got something that take a look at, little thoughts here and there, just keep you keep you sharp. Well, we know you got to get going, so I want to ask you one more thing here, and that is Jody and I were talking in the first segment of our show today about growth. About even though you're not, you don't get results sometimes. But from the outside, like we're sitting upstairs and looking down, you can see things starting to build. What about in the room or on the ice or on the bench? Do you see the same thing? Yeah, I do, for sure, for sure. Um, and and it's it's step by step. You know, you don't want to you don't want to pass over any any details. You know what I mean? And have have that circle back and be a problem later on. So we're you know we're very much in the process of taking care of you know, one thing at a time. And, and, you know, now maybe we're taking care of two things at a time on a daily basis, you know, and, and, um, you know, I think it's, it's helpful that, that we're out on the road together, that it's just the boys for, you know, 10 days. And, you know, that's, that's a huge thing. I wish we got to talk to the schedule makers and, you know, get us out here early in the yeah, season. In November they or something make a like difference. that. Yeah. They bring a group together. They really do. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think your guys' eyes aren't, aren't lying to you. I think, uh, I think we are growing. Um, you know, some guys who were lacking confidence at the start of the year are starting to pick it up. Silly is a great example. He's doing almost everything very, very, very well. Um, and I heard you as I walked in talking about, you know, face-offs and, and, you know, distributing the puck properly. And, and um, you know, Johnny's had the puck on his stick a lot more in the last few yeah. games playing with Silly, and that's that's a very good sign. So, uh, yeah, we're very much in the process of, of, of taking care of what's in front of us and making sure that no stone is unturned. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Enjoy your time in Calgary. Enjoy I hope you get to see your sister when we go over to Vancouver. Yeah. And uh, as you just said, Enjoy your time with the boys. It yeah. doesn't happen very often, but yeah. you're going to get two more of these before the, yep. the year's over. That's yep. the good news. Yeah, it is. It is. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. That is Eric Branson, Blue Jackets defenseman. Stay tuned. We'll come back and wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank, right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Ticket plans for the 2024-2025 season are on sale right now. You can choose the games and the seats that you want, and you can also score bonus ticket rewards, food and merchandise discounts, and incredible ticket savings. Learn more by going to bluejackets.com slash ticket plans. Blue Jackets in the midst of a five-game road trip. They got game number one out of the way last night in Edmonton. Game two is tomorrow night here in Calgary when they take on the Flames. That'll be a 9 o'clock puck drop back in Columbus. A lot of uh, interesting things going on in the National Hockey League right now. Um, this morning, the city of uh, Salt Lake, Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, the owner of the Utah Jazz has formally petitioned 
the National Hockey League about expansion. Um, this comes up, obviously, from time to time. You're 32 teams. In my brain, I want to say 32. Like, isn't that enough? Like, the NFL has 32. Major League Baseball still only has 30 teams. So you've got 32. Isn't that enough? However, when you look at the National Hockey League, you got to figure, first of all, there are seven franchises in Canada, which is different from the other leagues. And there are still some U.S. markets that are good, viable markets that don't have a team. And look at the way it's worked out in the last couple of years with Vegas and Seattle coming in. There's a lot of rumor about Atlanta getting another team, and I know that drives people crazy but because they failed twice, but they're talking about a new arena outside of the city of Atlanta and doing what the Braves have done there. So maybe some exciting times coming up in the league here in the next few years. They've done a phenomenal job with the growth of, of hockey. And, you know, there's still – there's still a way to grow and it just shows like every NHL market. And I think in Columbus, it's a great example because, you know, hockey comes in in 2000 and now it's a hockey hotbed when you're locally there. I mean, that learn to play program, they have thousands of kids that sign up to learn to play hockey and they have their heroes living in their city and the tentacles that expand from that, uh, we're seeing it, and we've got guys that grew up in the local market playing in the National Hockey League for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And when you get to that point, you, it makes sense, and it, it takes time, and, and we can stand back and say, oh, why would they do that? You know, there's not enough players. There is. I mean, this is a global sport. We're, we have players from all over the world here uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets, and every team does. And the impact of, of these markets and these cities, if they think they can do it, I love it. I think that the NHL, the growth of the NHL, uh, the way this league is, is being played right now, the entertainment value uh, of every city in their market, it's, I think it makes sense. There's revenue that they want to make to make up for some of, the, some of the ways things were done pre-cap. And then you look at the pandemic, you look at a lockout, there's still effects from that. And if the league can grow and create revenue and make this game uh, up, up in the in the in the conversations with the NFL and the NBA, then they're doing it right. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's their goal. And that owner of the jazz, young guy, very forward thinking guy. Uh, last year I heard an interview he did with, uh, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick on the, uh, 32 thoughts podcast. And he was great. I mean, he's got it. He's got it figured out. He's going to get a team. And at that time, you know, in all the time it comes up about Arizona. When yeah. are they going to get a building? And if they don't get a building, how much longer is this going to last? I just read an article this morning in The Athletic, uh, Marty Walsh, who's now the head of the Players Union, basically saying, listen, we got to get some answers with this. Um, you know, playing in a 4,600-seat building is not going to be long-term. And the Coyotes are getting better now. And they, they don't – the league – or the uh, Players Association especially doesn't want them in that small building. The league doesn't want them in that small building. They've got to come up with answers, which – you know, people say in the next couple of weeks they might have something. We'll have to wait and see. So Salt Lake has been out there. Houston has been out there. As I said, Atlanta. I just wonder when they do it, if they would just do one in each conference or if they would make a big jump and, and maybe put two in each conference. I, I wonder that. It's interesting. But you can also look at the argument that maybe there's it's time for a team to move that's struggling. You yeah. know, and yeah. maybe the, the play is, all right, we understand you want to – buy an, an organization but maybe if things aren't working in other markets then there's that possibility of, of for the health of the league to move a team like Arizona that's can't get it figured out out there so 
I, I go back I, to I believe if they move that team, this is just what I think. If they move that team somewhere, I think it comes back as an expansion franchise when somebody figures out how yeah, to get it. You're probably build. right. Yeah. You know, you're right. I mean, sometimes that has to happen for markets to to do it the, the right way. They built that that arena in the wrong place in Glendale and, yeah. and they know it. Now, like, they took it for free, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but it was in the wrong spot. Hey, before we wrap up, I want to tell you the most fun game that I've done this year, and I'm not lying to you, and this is not a knock on the Blue Jackets. Right. The fantasy camp game that I called for you last week and, and the other alumni that played in it, the, the fantasy players, I couldn't have been more thrilled going into the dressing rooms and, and talking to the players, just trying to get their pronunciation of their names because I didn't want them to take home a video where I screwed it up for the entire time. Uh, they had such great stories. They were so happy. The That was the thing for me is how tickled they were to be there they didn't care. They would have paid you a million dollars to be there <laughs> and be a part of that thing. Uh, you guys really did it right, and you especially because you were the doing the heavy lifting on that. And it was the little bit that I was involved in it. It was amazing. Well, thank you, Bob. And and you're a true pro to get in that locker room and and get the pronunciations right. Those are the details that matter, right? So we appreciate your support on that. It was, you know, you don't you say heavy lifting. It's something that understanding our local alumni. We have 14 local alumni. And they're all so proud to have, you know, sweat and bled for the Blue Jackets organization and still live in our community. And it's important. It's a very important part of who we are as Columbus Blue Jackets. And now we have some recognizable faces and we have guys with passion that are working within the organization. But we also have guys that aren't working within the organization. And they're the important people to to pull along and make them remember that they are a big part of what's happened here as the past of our of what's happened. And I knew once we got in a room together, we had 11 plus Mike Sillinger. He came in as a fly in. We'll call him an honorary <laughs> member. He's known as Cole's dad, by the yeah, way. And he it's, hates easy, that. it's easy to get him to come in. Yeah. And he was an important part of it for us to hang out is one thing. And, and we all knew that us committing to three nights with to be together and just hang out, it would, it would be enough because we enjoy being together. We enjoy tell, telling stories about each other. And that's what it was about. It wasn't all about the on ice, but we made it special with Mark Reckie coaching uh, one of the practices, Jared Bull, the Blue Jackets organization, opened up their doors to us, and, and we, we were NHL players. We were all dressed alike, acted alike, worked in the same area. We split into two teams. Uh, and I told the campers three or four times throughout that, that uh, week experience, that three days was – you guys are enjoying this, but we are enjoying it more. And by the end of it, they they believed us because we really did. And have to thank everybody in the Blue Jackets organization. Todd Chirac did a lot of the, the work. But everyone that I worked with, I was so impressed with how detailed and how hard they worked to push this through. So um, we'll do it again because we're getting some great feedback. And the alumni, we just love getting together, Bob. The most fun thing for me was – when you guys came on the ice, you're back in uniform. R.J. Umberger is back yeah. in uniform. Derek Dorsett, I'm telling you, I know you have a little bit more gray in your beard now than you used to, but here's the fact. You guys looked just like you did when I called games when you were playing, and it was so cool. It was like turn back time, except Dorsett had a hat trick, which never happened when I called uh, games. He was determined. <laughs> His kids were there. He was not going to lose because Mike Sillinger, the whole camp, we had those uh, three-on-three friendlies in the week, uh, the other games, and they won, and he would not stop just mocking us at how good they were and then uh they lost a couple players chris clark dropped out and then castles wasn't there for that game day and they wanted to make a trade for another alumni but we weren't having it because we were going to beat them yeah there's (laughs) 
And that's the beauty of running it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that It's uh, it's good to be king sometimes. Well, it? it was a close game. Well, yeah, it was a close game, and it was fun. And so I would say if you're, if you're a player in the adult leagues or if you're not, start playing in the adult league because uh, you will have a blast next year when it comes available. Guys came from Oregon, Texas, Florida, and uh, as I said, the guys that I talked to um, – before that game, and then I, I went up to the party tower after the game. They could not say enough good things. So congratulations, thanks, Bob, on that. Uh, Blue Jackets again back in action tomorrow night. Take on the Calgary Flames. Puck drops at nine o'clock in Columbus. Pre-game coverage starts at eight thirty, both on the Blue Jackets radio network and on Bally Sports. I'd like to thank Eric Branson for being our guest here tonight, and that's going to do it for this edition of the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long, and thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan.